0: Welcome to the Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. I'm Rachel Zimmerman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And thank you to everyone who downloads the podcast. You know, our podcast numbers are pretty decent. I'm, I'm proud of them. And uh, yeah, it just means a lot to me that so many people take the time to download the show and listen to it on their own time. And I, of course, appreciate everyone who is listening on KMOX throughout the weekend. So big thanks to you guys. Um, let's see, what do I want to talk about? I, I need to be honest with you guys. At the time of this recording, I am pretty sleep deprived. I am not feeling great. And that is because I just got back from an international trip on Saturday, last Saturday. And, uh, Thought that would be enough of a turnaround (laughs) for me to go back to work and be on the DGS and carry on with life as usual, and I thought wrong. That was not enough time. I needed at least an entire weekend to recuperate, and I did not get that, and it has really thrown me off over the past couple of days. You know, I was I'm reluctant to even really talk about my latest trip. Uh, I went to Japan again because I I realized that I am incredibly blessed, incredibly lucky to be able to do something like that. I don't want to. It feels like bragging to be like, I just went and then I went again. But I did. And it was the kind of thing where I went on my first trip with my partner He has been many, many times, um, but went on my first trip and I've just never fallen in love with a place so, so hard and so quickly. And when we got back, it was just like, I can't believe we're not going back. So then you start to look at tickets and you find some good tickets and they just happen to be two months after your initial trip and you pounce on it and then you go And then, yeah, it it was an incredible experience, another amazing experience. And like I said, I feel very, very blessed that I'm able to do things like that. And thank you to everyone in my life who helps make that possible. But it's good to be back. It's going to be back on the air. I really like being on vacation. Everybody does. But I always reach a point, especially if it's over a week, you know, then I'm like, I got to get back to work. I have to feel productive. I have to be doing something. So it feels really good to be back in the saddle. And I'm really excited to continue on with the Rachel Zimmerman Show. We have a good show for you today. Uh, I'm going to talk to Abigail Stahlschmidt. She is a musician. She's an electric and acoustic violinist. I've seen her perform. She performed on the Dave Glover Show for us a couple years ago. She's incredible. She's also a model. And so I just got to sit down and talk to her about her career a little bit. And then later in the show, I'm going to kind of rant about a couple of things that have been on my mind, some heavy stuff, some lighter stuff. So it's going to be a fun one this week. Um, I have in my notes here that I wanted to talk about in this segment, my notes say travel is good, but it's true. I know I said this last time I got back from my my trip But it's really important, I think, if you have the means to travel or even to, you know, just take a day trip somewhere, just jump in the car and go. Just being exposed to different things is obviously very important. And I sound like a, you know, an exchange student or someone who just came back like, I just came back from studying abroad and I realized how big the world really is. Yeah, it sounds cliche, but there's a reason why so many people have this experience over and over again. That's because it's tried and true. It's just a fact that exposing yourself to new things kind of opens up your mind. And especially being in Japan, being in Tokyo in particular, it's such a huge city filled with so many people and you see so many faces on a daily basis that, I mean, I just couldn't even begin to guess how many people I just saw at the train station or at Shibuya Crossing or all these different places. And you just realize like all of these people are carrying on with their lives just like me. And it's an incredibly humbling experience. It just reminds you, You know, your problems really aren't that big. There are so many people out there dealing with so many different things. And at the end of the day, we all really want the same things, right? We want to be safe. We want to be happy. We want to make enough money to support ourselves and we want to be able to spend time with our friends and family. And I think we don't spend enough time focusing on those common Uh, those commonalities. We spend so much time focusing on the differences and I don't like this person, I don't like this group of people, I hate Democrats, I hate Republicans, this, this, and that. We waste a lot of time doing that. But uh, I guess my challenge for you this week is to maybe try to find that common ground between you and someone maybe that gets on your nerves or someone you don't like. It's its a fun exercise and I think it's really good for you. So, Alright, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I will talk to Abigail stallschmidt Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Thanks for listening to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. This week, I spoke to Abigail Stahlschmidt. She is a very talented
2: musician and model, and we talked all about her career so far and what's coming up for her. Yes, thank you. My name's Abigail Stallschmidt or Abby, if you follow me on social media. I'm an electric and acoustic violinist. I've been playing the violin since I was four years old. And I also am a professional model and a commercial actress. Um, and I've been doing both things for a long time. I get to do a lot of traveling. I get to meet a lot of cool people. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of fun projects that I'm always working on simultaneously. So there's usually a lot going on in my world, but I really would not have it any other way.
0: That's awesome. So you started at four years
2: old. Yes. What did Was that your idea? Was that your parents' idea? Um, so I probably would mostly credit my parents for that. Um, I faintly remember seeing somebody play violin maybe at the symphony or something and thinking it was really cool. Um, and also, man, I actually have a vivid memory of seeing my sister in her first stage performance. It was The King and I. Um, And I was on the edge of my seat. And like ever since watching her on stage, I was like, I want to be on stage. So here we are.
0: (laughs) I love that. You know, I've had a a few performers on the show now and everyone seems to have the same like first experience seeing a performance and going like, I have to do that.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it's really continual for me, too. And I've always loved theater. So I think. Even in the, a lot of the shows that I've done, I don't know if you've heard of some of the performances and, and bands that I've been in. Um, one of them that I toured Europe with was called Vivaldi Metal Project, and it was a, a mashup of classical music and metal, uh, but it was very theatrical. And all of the um, stage costumes essentially were kind of like goth slash... Um, Renaissance kind of inspired Ooh, okay <laughs> it was very European um it definitely makes much more sense there not that there isn't a market for that here too but uh, yeah so everything that I've done has, has mostly been very theatrical I also was in a transabrian tribute band for a long time. Again, all the costuming and everything is really critical in those shows. So, yeah. Any other uh, bands you've worked with or projects that you want to
0: mention, just in case people have heard of them or want to follow more?
2: Yeah, I assume probably a lot of people in St. Louis know who the Liston brothers are and Mama's Pride. And I played a lot with, um, just really been very honored to work a lot with Pat Liston and Danny Liston. And a lot of people may have seen me play with them at the pageant. Um, they've had a few other shows that I've joined, some acoustic sets with Pat. Um, it's just been a blast because there's so much to learn from them. And they're just such great people. I'm talking to Abigail
0: Stallschmidt, musician and model on The Rachel Zimmerman Show. So you started playing at four. And you discovered your passion seeing your sister play on stage. I'm curious, though, when did you start writing your own music?
2: So that was a more recent thing. Uh, I would say more seriously, probably about four years ago, um, I started working with an amazing co-writer, Cliff Downs, and he's based in Nashville. Um, And he has been in the country music industry for years, but also At the same time was also, and I maybe even prior to that, working on Broadway productions and um, even working with Foreigner. So, you know, very diverse uh, musician and producer and writer. So we started writing together and actually started writing, trying to write some country music at first. And it just was not like, honestly, was not vibing. Like (laughs) I was not. Getting you know the feeling that we were gelling and it just didn't feel authentic to me. So I actually had more of a transition over into um, going back to my roots and playing in orchestra. I grew up in orchestra and played all throughout college and umsol um, So we started having this idea of bringing some of that orchestral stuff back in, but then also modernizing it by bringing um, more of the sounds of synth- synthesizers and samples and um, just all these different elements and trying to grow something organically. And we sat down together for the first time with that kind of concept about 4 years ago. And from the minute we sat down we were like we're so on the same wavelength with this. And everything else before like didn't matter, all the country stuff that we tried to write together that didn't mesh. It was like that, you know, that was totally out the window because this was our thing. And flash forward, um, in November of last year, on November 3rd, I had a major recording project that I was able to see the orchestral part of come to fruition. Um, I recorded with members of the Nashville Symphony at Ocean Way Studios in Nashville. And this was bringing three of our personal pieces, three of our favorites to life, um, orchestration and just these big scores. Um, And we had a lot of help with all of that. But that's just a little tidbit. I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. But no, go on as much as you'd like. Yeah. So this is definitely a project that, you know, especially looking back again, that I grew up in orchestra, it felt so much at home to me to be bringing the orchestra into my own music again but also again you know modernizing it and bringing some of the influences of all the different bands and styles of musicians that I played with together into this music and it was just such a surreal experience um, standing in in the uh, sound booth and or standing in the control room sorry and watching the orchestra record this music um, so like I said we had a lot of help um, this This project definitely uh, was a big undertaking. You know, whenever you're talking about an orchestral project, you know, I didn't study orchestration. So we had to hire somebody uh, to come and orchestrate the music, transcribe it essentially for the orchestra and basically put it in a format that the orchestra could understand. So for that, we were really honored to bring in one of the top orchestrators who actually works with Hans Zimmer. And he works on some of the most, you know, some of the biggest films that people have ever even seen. You know, Batman versus Superman, The Joker, The Dark Knight Rises, um, Dunkirk, and plenty of video games. And he's also just constantly working on new films. Um, so his name is Carl Ridland. And he now is is based in Nashville, but also still works all over the world. Um, he's, I believe, also a professor at Belmont as well. So he teaches. Um, But he was just so gracious in coming alongside us, knowing that we didn't have, you know, the kind of clout that somebody like Hans Zimmer or, you know, a major film organization has. And just helping us bring these pieces to life with his orchestrations. I mean, it was nothing short of incredible. um, And it just was such a magical experience. And also to be able to bring this project all to life, I wanted to involve some of the people who have supported me along the way. And allow them to help contribute to the project because it was, you know, it's not a cheap undertaking. Whatever you're talking about, 42 orchestral musicians and getting all these things orchestrated. Um, So I did reach out to my fans with Indiegogo and started for the first time ever an Indiegogo project, which was nerve wracking. Um, But. I'm definitely really thankful to say that we not only raised the amount that I was looking for, but also surpassed it. So it was an absolutely incredible experience. You're listening to me interview Abigail Stahlschmidt.
0: She's a musician and model on The Rachel Zimmerman Show. I'm, I'm curious, whenever you're going in to write this music, how do you get in the headspace to write and record? Like, do you have any rituals that you
2: do? How do you get in the zone? So a lot of our writing, I would say, you know, for lack of a better term, it happened organically. So uh, there isn't really one specific way that we would kind of get into the zone. But sometimes we we might either start with a melody and it might be something as simple as as a melody that I had hummed to myself, you know, while I was driving somewhere and recorded it on my voice memo app on my phone. Or it could be us, you know, sitting down and um, just finding a beat that we felt really was cool and, and was you know, leading us in a cool direction, so it's all just like building these really piece by piece. I mean, we went through these, and and they took us a long time because of that. Um, nothing was really prefab, um, or really preconceived. So yeah. So it sounds. I mean, if I could go out on a limb, it sounds like this is your dream
0: that you're living right now, yes. recording this music. How does that feel?
2: It is awesome. Um, and I think back to the people that really influenced me, and I had so many amazing teachers, but. Um, Shane Williams, Mr. Williams, if you're listening to this right now, mm-hmm. um, he knows that he's been such a huge inspiration. He was my first one of my first orchestral conductors and just uh, really exemplified so much of, um, just pouring his whole self into the music and then inspiring other people to live up to their best. Um, not just by, you know, standing over them and, and like calling out whenever they weren't playing the right notes, but like really inspiring the passion in them. Um, so he was a huge inspiration. And then again, just being able to go back to my roots and then, and then bring a modern, like bring my new self to it. And what I've learned is such a, a fulfilling feeling. So So I'm very excited to hear this. Thank you. When when does it come out? We are anticipating, if everything goes as planned, that it will come out in the springtime. I'm really hoping we make that goal. And there will be a showcase. We're planning this, at least right now, a showcase in St. Louis, since most of my um, funders and my fans and and friends and family are here in St. Louis. Uh, We're planning on putting together a showcase, and I'm really hoping we can bring an orchestra in with that. I know it would take the right space the right amount of um, room and everything to pull all of it off. And then we'll also will be doing a showcase in Nashville. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, the exact date is still developing, because we're actually finishing the final touches now of the recordings, even though we already recorded all of the orchestral parts. Um, my final violin solos, because I wanted to be able to respond to what the orchestra was doing, uh, my final, final violin solos are almost complete. I just have a few more pieces to record. And then uh, Carl Ridlin is actually going to be playing guitar also on the recordings, and he's a phenomenal musician as well as orchestrator. So I cannot wait to hear what he does. And then we also have bass. So there's mm-hmm. just some final little pieces to add to it. So you're going to
0: try your hardest to bring this to St. Louis. How yes. much does St. Louis mean to you as far as what it's done for your career?
2: It has been absolutely incredible being here, honestly. And I know a lot of people probably at at the point that I'm at when I'm working with a co-writer in Nashville would wonder why I don't live in Nashville. Um, But, you know, I found so much support. I mean, this is case in point, too, because I've done so many interviews here and so many people have supported me, including Monica Adams. And, um, you know, I played for the the Blues games um, and for the Cardinals games. And I've just, you know, I felt so much of that support in St. Louis that I can't imagine being anywhere else. Um, You know, I love Nashville, and I love being there, but this just feels like home. Mm.
0: OK, so you're a model, too. Uh, people are probably listening, going like, oh, this girl is so accomplished. You have a whole other Aww. career that you do. I follow um, you on Instagram. Your photos are just gorgeous. And you've you. modeled for some huge brands. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. So I've had a crazy ride. Um it's, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed, honestly, because I feel like my life has been so atypical. Um, a lot of people have never gotten to experience the things that I've gotten to experience. And um, I started modeling when I was 12 years old, and was kind of scouted uh, by a photographer in St. Louis, I'd never thought about modeling before. But I went to a few classes, started getting my feet wet in it, and it was again like the the whole stage like phenomenon, being behind the camera or being in front of the camera, I guess, um, just brought something else out in me because I'm I'm naturally an introvert. I actually, don't even like to talk that much. Like as far as, you know, I don't know what it what it is that uh, the statistic where women say like ten thousand words a day or something. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't really define me. Um, But being on stage or even being behind a microphone, being on camera, like it it brings out a different side of me. Um, So all that to say, I've had a lot of experiences. I've worked with major brands. I've I've gotten to model in, in magazines like Elle and Vogue magazine, which is something I never thought I would be able to say. Um, I've worked with brands from Badgley Mishka to Post Cereal to um, different scrub companies, um, Scrubs and Beyond. You know, I've played like every different kind of role, really, that I feel there is out there. And it's it's like putting all these different hats on, like being in the theater and and putting on a new role. Um, So I absolutely love it. And I'm I'm really thankful that I've still gotten to do both um, as I've continued my career.
0: What's something about modeling that you think people probably don't realize? Cuz I think probably yeah. a lot of people out there are like, "Oh, you just take pictures," but I'm sure there's a yeah. lot more to it.
2: Yeah, there is. There is definitely, you know, an art to it and a skill to it and um you know, it's not only learning how to present yourself in the best way, but it's also learning people skills because you know, your personality is what is coming out on camera. And if you're not, um, if you're only just thinking about yourself the whole time, and like, you know, how this is making you look, you kind of, you know, it probably will portray that you're stuck up on camera, or, you know, not the kind of relaxed, um, open, especially the kind of personality that people want to see in commercials, they want to see somebody that's relatable, and uh, that just feels like their best friend. So, a lot of it is, you know, people skills and caring more about the product than you care about, you know, how your makeup looks that day because you might not always like your makeup. You might not like, you know, the way that you're styled, but you have to be willing to go with it and give it your best effort, even if you don't feel like you look maybe as good as you do your own makeup or, or dress yourself. Um, so it's a lot of that, and then just, yeah, stepping into that character role. Yeah, that's interesting. I think probably the perception is
0: you've got to tap into your ego to get in that space. But what you're describing is kind of putting your ego to the side a little bit.
2: Yeah. I would definitely say that, um, Yeah, because that's really where a lot of your inspiration comes from as well. Whenever you're talking to these brands or even looking through, you know, a great thing is kind of like case studying their brand a little bit before you start working with a a new company and looking through the things that they've done, looking through what their photographers have done and getting a sense for what their style is so so that you can try to represent them the best, bringing your own personality to it, but also, you know, trying to lean in the way that the best... um, it represents the brand essentially. I'm talking with Abigail Stahlschmidt. She's a musician and model on the Rachel
0: Zimmerman Show. I'm going to guess that you were an amazing student in school. Is that a good guess?
2: I I don't know if I would say that. I mean, I I will say I started. I did start taking college classes whenever I was in high school. So I dual enrolled. Um, so I got the college experience really early. Um, I started when I was 15, but. I mean, naturally, my favorite part of college was was being in music Mm -hmm. Um, was I was in an acapella vocal group, which was my absolute favorite experience because it just opened up a whole new world for me. Um, But, yeah, the academic side of it. I did it, but it was not my favorite. <laughs> I was just saying that
0: because, you know, you talk about like studying the brand. I mean, just being able to tap into that and go like, I need to do my homework before I yeah. do something. Um, so you were in an a cappella group. You're a singer, too.
2: Yeah. And I have put out some, you know, singles you may have seen um, with vocals in them. You know, Bury the Past was one that I did, which actually was country oriented, oddly enough. Um, but I did don't always focus on my vocals as much as maybe I should because I feel like my violin is my comfort zone so maybe I'm I don't know if it's I'm hiding behind it more or if it's just where I feel the most natural um but I do sing as well and I actually love especially because I was in choir for so long I love singing backup vocals Mm. and harmonies are actually my favorite I'll sing lead if I have to but like adding something to what somebody else is doing is almost more fun to me um which is it's almost like you're completing a painting or something like there's just something that I feel really i um, creatively connected to. That's
0: cool. Um, so you play acoustic and electric violin, which which do you prefer? Like, which do you feel most comfortable or yeah. is it kind of the same?
2: They're so different, honestly. It's. I guess I could compare it to the difference between acoustic and electric guitar, but even the way, and especially because the electric violin I have, if anybody has seen a picture of it, it's a. It's called a Viper violin. It's made by work. Sorry, it's made by Mark Wood, and it's actually got a self-supporting system, which is the craziest thing. It's got a strap that comes around and an arm that actually like adjusts and comes down, um, kind of under your armpit, so that you don't have to hold it up with your chin like a normal acoustic violin. So the whole ergonomics of it and everything feels very different from an acoustic violin. Um, all that to say, I almost think of them as two different instruments. Because the way that I approach my acoustic violin and what I bring to it whenever I play it, it brings something out of me that's, you know, just, it's totally different. I feel like I, I play maybe more lyrically, more even classically minded but whenever I play my electric violin, I'm almost more so trying to emulate what a guitarist would mm. play or even a synthesizer or something, you know, different than what people would think of as as violin music. Um, so I really feel like they're two different instruments.
0: Um. So you mentioned at the top of the interview that you've traveled all over the place because of your career. What's like, you know, some of the best places you've traveled or your favorite yeah. places to go?
2: Yeah. Um, traveling outside the country was definitely a really eye-opening experience for me. And I got to travel to Italy um, a couple times, actually. So I've been to Milan, and I've been to Rome, and I got to see a little bit of the countryside and um, some of the mountainous regions as well. And maybe it's because I've been in Italy the most. Um, I feel like the terrain and the culture is so diverse there. I got such a sense of you know the, the small town feel of you know feeling like I was really where the locals were when I was in the mountains of Alvetzano, um, and then being. In Rome and seeing all of the history you know it's just absolutely mind-blowing because just the realization it makes you feel so small really whenever you are standing there in front of like the Colosseum and realizing just you know how many people have stepped on this ground that you're stepping on and just how old the structure is I mean it's absolutely amazing so that's probably my favorite place that I've been.
0: Is there anything else you want to, like, is there anything I'm missing? Anything you want to touch on that we didn't get to?
2: Um, the main thing really would just be you know, I would love if people want to continue following me um, and staying tuned for this music project to come out and for a showcase here in St. Louis. Um, I'm very active on social media on Instagram and Facebook. I have not gotten over to TikTok yet. <laughs> Don't know if I want another thing. <laughs> um, but Facebook is under Abby Stallschmidt or Abigail Stallschmidt. I assume my name's going to be printed here somewhere because that's I know it's a long last name, Um, but but I'll spell it for you just in case. Um, Abby Stahlschmidt, A-B-B-Y-S-T-A-H-L-S-C-H-M-I-D-T or Abigail Stahlschmidt, A-B-I-G-A-I-L, which is my band page on Facebook. Abby Stahlschmidt is my personal page. And then on Instagram, it's just under Abby Stahlschmidt.
0: All right. Well, the future looks bright. It was great talking to you, Abigail, and uh, thank you so much. Thank
2: you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Welcome back to The Rachel Zimmerman Show on KMOX. Hope you enjoyed my interview with Abigail Stahlschmidt. If you missed any part of the conversation or any part of the show ever, you can always go back and podcast the show. Just search for The Rachel Zimmerman Show anywhere you get your podcasts, but I suggest that you search for it on the Odyssey app. The Odyssey app is great um, because you can use it to listen to KMOX live streaming, uh, all sorts of different shows on KMOX. You can find the podcasts and then shows that don't even uh, run on KMOX, different podcasts. Uh, Just take my word for it, download the Odyssey app and see what's in store for you it's totally free to sign up and and get it and it's really nice um, whenever you're not near a traditional radio and you want to hear something breaking live then you can hear kmox in real time so it's pretty great recently I watched um, a special that PBS Newshour put out I really like PBS Newshour I feel like they're you know every news organization has a bias of some kind I think that That's natural. But I think they're pretty even handed, and I think they do a good job of showing all sides of an issue. And Judy Woodruff has been doing this series where she's been traveling across the country and talking to people about politics and really talking to them and really listening, which is key. And it's been an an impressive series. And a lot of her conversations uh, centered around hate in politics. And, you know, how we get to this level of thinking of other people as the other and as different and as the enemy, she did a lot of work to kind of dive into that and see how people were feeling, asking people about their beliefs, why they believed the things they did. And she really gave everybody she spoke to a space to fully express themselves without judgment. So I really, really respected that. Um, But she she did a panel with a a couple of like political scientists, I guess, and they were talking about political hate, hate in politics. And they brought up the fact that politics, I mean, really, at the end of the day, I think the media gets a lot of flack. Um, We talk about that on the DGS a lot. We go, oh, it's the cable news network's fault. It's Fox News's fault. It's CNN's fault. It's MSNBC's fault and i'm not saying that these places don't carry blame they absolutely do a lot of times they're just trying to speak to one particular type of person um they have an audience in mind so everything's programmed towards a message rather than the truth that's what it feels like at times anyway um so yeah cable news gets a lot of gets a lot of um, I think undo, They're due some of it. But, you know, I think they get the majority of the blame when really it starts at the top. Right. It starts with the politicians themselves. And how often do you see these politicians on both sides of the aisle? Although I do tend to think. Maybe one side of the aisle goes a little worse in some cases, Um But how often do you see politicians just get nasty and just get mean and name call and paint the other side as if they are the ultimate enemy? I just feel like they're getting away with it somehow. I don't know. We've somehow turned our ire about the situation towards cable news and not towards the people who are creating it in the first place. The call is coming from inside the House, people. It's 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 the politicians. They need to set a better example. And part of me is like, why am I even talking about this? I feel like I'm yelling into the void because you either agree with me, and I'm sure there are a lot of people listening, nodding their heads, but going, yeah, but what are you going to do about it? You're not going to get these people to change their minds or to change the way they act because they're being rewarded for the way that they act. They're getting more media coverage, and that's where the media comes in and bears a lot of the blame. But I don't know. There are plenty of people out there, too, who love it and who feel like, oh, whenever my representative is acting in this mean and nasty way, it's not a big deal because they're acting as my champion. And I just, I can't look at it like that. I miss the days where it seemed like we were all Americans first and then Democrats and Republicans or independents second. But that has flipped. That has flipped. And I don't know. I just just wanted to bring that up. I just wanted to remind everybody (laughs) we spend a lot of time picking on the media. I'm a part of the media. I get it. Uh, We deserve a lot of the the blame that we get. But ultimately, it starts with the politicians. It starts with the people who have placed themselves and have accepted a position of authority. They need to be a good example. And the only thing we can do is show how we feel by our vote and pick people who are going to, you know, it's it's not like, oh, you can only pick the nicest person. It's not a niceness contest, but I think at the end of the day, um, a decency contest would be nice once in a while. Just some basic human decency and treating other people, you know, just the way you want to be treated. I think that's a rule or something, right? So. All right, let's move on to a little bit of lighter fare here. I mentioned earlier in the show that I am sleep deprived. Oh my gosh. And maybe I shouldn't even talk about this, but you still gotta drive even when you're not sleeping well. You still gotta get to and from work and to the grocery store and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm doing an okay I'm getting enough sleep to where it's not like dangerous for me to be out on the road. I don't want anyone to think that. But um I'm a defensive driver. Normally, I get kind of freaked out on the road. Sometimes I always just think other people are going to hit me. I guess my problem is I don't trust other drivers, right? Um, but this has been at a 10 since I've gotten back from my trip. And I'm just tired. And I'm like, I just feel like everybody's out to get me on the road. So <laughs> I felt really bad the other day, someone was just like whipping into another lane. And I thought they were going to just turn around and turn back into the lane. If uh, What I'm saying probably doesn't even make any sense. But I I just laid on my horn, and they were like, what? I'm just pulling over. And I'm going, yeah, but you could have hurt me. So I'm a little defensive right now. Uh, I'm trying to work through that, and just be less of a paranoid driver in general, but uh, just thought I would let you guys know what's going on with that. It's also hard to drive. For for me, it's hard to drive at night this time of the year. I can't see. (laughs) I mean, I'm making myself sound great, right? Like I'm sleep deprived and I can't see when I'm on the road, but it is hard to see, especially in the city of St. Louis. It's hard to see whenever you're driving. This is just kind of a rough time of year. It's cold. It's dark. Um, but we are getting through it. It's it's getting lighter every night whenever I'm leaving. I have a little bit of sunlight left on my drive home. So that uh, is cause for hope. Uh, and it's it's pretty nice. Um, running out of time here. But one more thing I'll talk about. Oh, gosh, you thought I wasn't going to get to it? Of course I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey because everyone else in the world is. Um, I, here's my opinion on this. I went from thinking it was kind of a fake relationship to now I think they're pretty cute. Uh, Their interactions after the game on, I guess, Sunday were really nice. And I think at this point, if you think they're faking it, then they need to be uh, tearing up Hollywood because they're doing a great job acting. Um, But here's my thing. Tweet at me. Email me. Rachel.Zimmerman at Odyssey.com or at RachelZSTL. If you are indifferent to Taylor and Travis... That's what I would like to know, because most people are either like for it or against it. But if you truly don't care, I would like to meet you. I would like to get your thoughts. So let me know on social media at Rachel ZSTL, Twitter, or email me rachel.zimmerman at odyssey.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. All right. I'm out of time for The Rachel Zimmerman Show this week, but we will be back next week. I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. Bye.